Well, good morning. Great to see you guys here. We are starting a new series called Pressure Points and how do we deal with the, with the stress that is inevitable in our lives. Just want to start with a question, a little survey. How many of you say, I have more stress in my life than I did five years ago? Show me your hands if you do. And I don't know what the rest of y'all are doing. Y'all need to come up here. <laughs> And talk to the rest of us because I feel that way, that there's more stress in my life and I don't see it going in a way, going away anytime soon. So the question isn't how do we avoid stress? The question we want to wrestle with today is how do we deal with, how do we, how do we seek a solution to the emotional uh, stress in our lives? Some of it is, uh, if we're honest, is brought upon ourselves. Uh, sometimes it's the own choices that we make and the way... Uh, uh, we're just not managing our life. So part of dealing with stress and, and working with it is just finding a rhythm in your life that works. But let, let's be honest. A lot of times, stress just comes barging in the door, kicking down the door. Uh, it's a phone call in the middle of the night. It's a trip to the hospital. It's some unwanted news. It's increased responsibilities. And we just wonder, man, is there anything that's going to take this away um, from me? I brought my little friend here with me. Uh, any of y'all use one of these bad boys? Ever since I donated a kidney, they make me do this. And uh, I'm going to take my blood pressure in front of you today. And anybody got 911 ready? Because I'm going to be honest with you, this thing's cranking up. I did it this morning right after I ran up the stairs. It was like 180 over 120. Yeah, so if I just stroke out. Love y'all. It's been, it's been real. It's been awesome. Um, and as we do that, guys, think about this. God has a solution for whatever stress, whatever issue, whatever problem, whatever anxiety you're dealing with. There's a God in heaven who knows it and is able to meet you right there in it. And so that's what we're going to look at, not just this today, but this series, is how do we deal with the stress and pressure in our life? And I just want to uh, just challenge you to be a part of that and also to bring some folks with you. There's some invite cards out there on the counter on your way out. And just let somebody know, hey, we're talking about some real practical issues of life. I got an error. Seriously? <laughs> I'm not going to bore you and do it again. I got an error. Okay, that's probably not a good thing, right? Let's, let's talk together about how to deal with the increased pressures in our life. And, and as we do so, we're going to actually look the next three weeks at the people of Israel and, and their story and how it's, it's so relatable to us. So we're going to be in Exodus 14 today. And let me set the scene for you. God had just delivered Israel, the people of God, out of captivity in Egypt, where they had been there for 400 years. And they get delivered, and they must have been thinking, wow, life is going to be awesome now. We're not slaves anymore. We're free. And in and, and the scriptures, the Exodus story is actually a parallel to uh, maybe your story and my story where we come to faith in Christ, and God brings us into his kingdom. And so you and I might have had the same assumption is when, when we gave our life to Christ or we found faith in God through Christ that uh, our life was going to be better and our life was going to be easier. Let me tell you one thing. It does get better. I wouldn't trade a single day with Christ for any of the days without him. It does get better. It is such a difference maker. But it doesn't mean that it gets any easier. It doesn't get any easier. 
And that's exactly what happened to the Israelites. They are out of Egypt. They, they are told to leave. They're given. They, they, they put gold in their, in their wagons and they let them go, gladly go after all that God had done there. And they are trucking through the Sinai Peninsula, heading straight for the promised land. And God intervenes, and he talks to Moses in chapter 14. He says, I want you to do an about face and turn around and head south and go wait in front of the Red Sea. And the, the Egyptians see that, and they think, uh, they must be in confusion. Uh, they're just sitting there. What have we done? We've let all of our slave labor get away. And Pharaoh commands the armies of Egypt to go run them down and bring them back to Egypt. So God didn't give them the easy path out. He, he brought them back in front of the Red Sea for a reason and on purpose. And this is where we pick up the story. It says this, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were literally between a rock and a hard place. The, un, the unstoppable force of the Egyptian army, an unmovable object of the Red Sea, they were caught right in the middle of those two things, and there was no way out. I mean, you want to talk about pressure points. Pressure. I mean, but we, we face uh, different types of pressure. Um, again, if I stroke out up here, I'm going to try something here. We face the pressure of raising kids. I don't care if they're little and in diapers or they're teenagers. It is stressful. Am I right? All right, that was the hard one. I got that one. There's that pressure. Then you got to pay the bills. You got to deal with the in-laws. Your car breaks down. Your mechanic says you need more bearings. Right, Philip? Where are you? <laughs> Job pressures, deadlines, and it feels like this balloon, this, this, uh, whether it's our ticker inside or just emotionally, that life gets more and more full and more and more stressed, and, and it, we're feeling taunt and stretched, and it's soon, here it comes, yeah, something's got to give, and something pops. It could be a relationship. could be a family, and the pressure becomes too much. You know, I, I don't know about you, but, you know, if you, I don't know if you've ever done a stress test, but sometimes I feel like life is like doing a stress test, and they're trying to get your heart rate up, so uh, it's, it's like God in heaven is saying, okay, you can handle that. Well, let me increase the incline. Let me speed it up a little bit. Let's make sure your heart's going really good. And you're like, I can't keep up. I, this pace is one I can't maintain. What am I going to do? Well, that's exactly where the Israelites were, and that's exactly how they felt. And listen to their response in the next verse. It says, they were terrified. They were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. Now, that sounds good. It's an emotional reaction. They, the fear had seized them, and they cried out. But it wasn't really a genuine faith kind of cry, and I know that because listen to how they continue. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? Why have you done this to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Man, they lashed out. And Moses had to be going, whoa, 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 whoa. 
You guys were with me just a minute ago. I was the hero not that long ago. Why all the venom? Why all the hate? They did what you and I do. When we feel stressed and pressured and the balloon starts expanding, we tend to lash out at somebody near us, the closest person to us, and we just let them have it. And when you're on the receiving end of that, you know what the other person will eventually figure out is it's not them talking, it's the stress talking that they're wound up so tight that things are just coming out of them without them even thinking. And that comes to our moral lesson of the day. When it comes to stress and lashing out, it's better to give than receive, right? Okay, you got that. All right, good. Not really. I'm just kidding. We've all done it. Let stress get the best of us and, and just blow up on someone near us. And it made me think about something. How would you like to work for Windstream customer service? Just think about that. They call you up and it's not you, but they are frustrated with their internet and they let, you've probably been on the giving end of this, and let them have it. And they have to say, have a nice day and it was a pleasure serving you. Wow. But here's what I know. When our stress determines our emotions, then those emotions almost always lead us to poor decisions and creating more stress because the emotions that drive us lead us to a place where we say things and do things that are uncharacteristic of us and wound and hurt those people around us. Now, when we do that, there's two types of people in this room. You're either a stewer or a spewer. All right. A stewer is they let it stew inside of them and they give you the silent treatment and they go dark and distant and they might, uh, they might throw a little sarcastic comment in there, but they're bottling it up inside and this, and it's turmoil inside of them. And then you've got spewers and spewers, I'm a spewer, is when you get frustrated or stressed out, you let it come out, blah, yelling, hollering, slamming unreasonable, trying to win an argument. Let me ask you something. We're, we're all either stewers or spewers. Has that ever helped? Did that ever reduce the stress? It might make you feel better for a minute. <laughs> That's why we do it. Here's what I know. When it, deal, when it comes to stress, and we go to those two modes, we default to stewing or spewing. Here's what I know. You will never break through and find the peace of God. You'll never break through when it comes to stress in your life if you continue to stew or spew. As long as you and I keep going to those two defaults, we will never find a breakthrough in our lives where we can know the peace of God in the midst of stress and chaos in our lives. And there's a better way that the scriptures describe. We don't have to respond like the Israelites did. In fact, Moses is our example in this passage because Moses isn't freaking out. He's not calling, uh, uh, bagging it in. He, he says this. Listen to what he says. Moses answered the people. They're just saying, we need to kill you. Why did you bring us out here? And he says, don't be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. 
And he wasn't quaking in his boots. If he was worried or, or anxious, he wasn't showing it. He had confidence in God, that God was going to make a way out for them. And so he tells them, don't be afraid. What are you worried about? Don't be controlled by your emotions. And you know they had to say, are you seeing what we're seeing? Do you not understand? There is an army marching. There are chariots rumbling. They're shaking the very ground that we stand on. And they're coming for us and they want blood. How can you say, don't be afraid? It's an emotional reaction. And it's natural. Let's just be honest. It's natural to have that kind of emotional reaction when stress gets the best of us. It may be a natural reaction, but it is never the right reaction. I'll just tell, talk for me. When my, when my blood pressure gets up and I'm feeling stressed or anxious, my first reaction is almost always the wrong reaction. Anybody else want to testify on that? It's almost always the wrong reaction. I got so busted on this a few months ago when I was writing this, and I got a voicemail, and I, and I got a voicemail that made me mad. And uh, my rule is, I have a 24-hour rule, if I get a voicemail, text, or email that, that gets me up emotionally, I try to wait 24 hours before I respond. It's, it's a good rule. It's helped me out a lot. I did not follow my own rule. And I got that voicemail, and I hit call sender. And we got into an argument, me and this guy. It's a friend of mine. And he said, I got you. <laughs> he said, I poked the bear on purpose. And I said, man, why'd you do that? But he called me out and he said, listen, you're having an emotional reaction to this issue and it doesn't need to be. And I said, you're right. See, that 24 hours, that little season that you and I should take to pray, that little, that little pause, that brings perspective, that brings peace, that brings clarity, that brings uh, just a moment to breathe and, and realize this is not the end of the world. If they win that argument, it's going to be okay. If she gets her way and I don't, that's okay. If I look like the klutz and they look like the hero, that's fine too. And we get a perspective that we can't normally get when we react. In fact, this is how Jesus said it. He said, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? I mean, is there any purpose? Is there any good that comes out of stress and about stuff? Jesus says, no, your emotional reaction isn't a good one. And that our faith is greater than our feelings. We don't have to be dominated and dictated by our emotions. And the only reason that our emotions are good in this instance is if they do one thing, if they point us to God himself. When we get stressed or we get angry or we get frustrated or we get worried, that ought to be like a, a signal light on the dash of your car. And when that's going off, you go, guess what? I'm not right. I, something is broke. And instead of stewing or spewing, I'm going to the Father and I'm taking my case before him and I'm going to find relief in his, in his sight. Well, the Israelites started out that way. They went to God. They cried out to him. And it didn't last long, though. <laughs> and then they, they turned their attention to Moses, and they started vomiting their, their complaints on him. And that's where you and I go wrong. It's the same place that they go wrong oftentimes. We'll say a quick prayer. Man, when something hits us, and we'll pray, and we'll cry out to God. But then our very next breath, we will find someone to blame. 
Someone that can take the blame for the problem that's in your life or you'll turn around and try to fix whatever it is that I can take this on. I'll fix it. I'll make it right. And our prayer becomes a token gesture to God. Now, the Israelites are looking bad at this moment, but I want you to understand something. Um, This isn't their best moment, but I want to read a a verse from the Psalms that describes this same people and their their forefathers and the generations before them. Listen to what it says about them in Psalm 107.6. It says, they cried out to the Lord, just like they did here. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Now, the difference between this moment and and the Psalm is this. They cried out to him for generations. They cried out to him for seasons. They cried out to him for a long period of time. We're talking your grandparents cried out to God, and then your parents cried out to God, and then you cried out to God, and your kids might cry out to God. And they labored in prayer, and they cried out and said, God, would you please deliver us from the hand of the Pharaoh? You know, we can't expect an instant response to our prayer. We can't expect an instant change when we throw the prayer to up in the sky and say, hey, God, I'm in this big mess. If you could just see me out. It's like going to the first window and say, hey, God, I got some issues, and then drive to the second window and say, okay, where's my answer? The drive-through mentality isn't a good one when it comes to dealing with the stress and pressures in our lives. A better analogy would be this, the one of a farmer. The Bible talks a lot about farming. It says there's seasons in our life. There's a season to, to cultivate the ground. And then the farmer has to plant the seed and water the seed and take care of the crop. And then finally there's a season where they get to harvest the fruit of their labor. Guys, that's how we should approach when there's stress and pressures and things that we'd let changed in our lives and we want God to come through on, that there's a season in store for you and I, not a moment of crying out to God, but a season of crying out to God. God may have you in a season where you are crying out to him. And if you're in that season, I want to tell you something. If you're in that season of crying out to God and you're wondering if he's listening and if you're wondering if he cares, can I tell you something? God is most certainly listening and God most certainly cares. And God is working on your behalf even though you don't see him at work. He's already moving things and changing things to bring about an answer to your prayer. And God is drawing you closer to himself that the purpose of that season of prayer is that he might become more real and viable and powerful in your life and that he is present in the pain and he's present in the suffering and he's present in the stress. And this season, God works like he can't in any other season of your life to draw you and to make you more like him. That's why Moses could tell him, stand firm, be still. Trust that God is going to do what only God can do. That's God's job, is to work all things for good for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. That's what he says he'll do for those that know Christ. He's working all things for good. Sometimes not for our good, sometimes for the greater good, but he's always working things for good. That's God's part. 
And our part is to trust God when he says, I'm working all things for good, that he truly is doing that, and we can rest in that, in that kind of promise. When Israel cried out, I can't imagine it, for generation after generation crying out to God would deliver us, and then God finally comes through, and he delivers them from their, from their captivity, and he delivers them from their wandering, and the end of the story for the Israelites, at least for a season, is that they get planted in this place called uh, the fertile place, the promised land. And he makes them into a great nation. And all other kings flock to their king to see the glory of God. God comes through. Can I tell you that there's a day, I don't care what you're going through, there will come a day where God will come through. It may be on this side of heaven and it may be on the next. But God most certainly will come through for you too. And then in that season, he wants to become something to you that he can't be anywhere else. He wants to become the God of peace for you, the God of peace. And what I mean is this, is um, I'm, I'm like you. We want our lives to be stable. We want our lives to go well. We don't need, want any interruptions. We, we want everything to be as peaceful and calm. We want as few circumstances getting in our way as possible. And I think sometimes I worship that more than I worship the God of peace. I just want, I just want things to go well. I don't even, it's not so much I want God. I just want his blessing. I don't want his face. I want his hand. And God, listen to this, God can never be the God of peace for you unless you're without peace. Unless you, unless you're, until you're in a season of crying out, he can't be the God of peace when your life is already peaceful. But he can become the God of peace to you when you have opportunity to have no peace. Then and only then can God become the God of peace to you. You can have peace in the middle of whatever stress, pressure, issue, problem, trial that you're going through. There's a God that will meet you there. There's a God that will meet you right in the middle of that. And he won't be far away. He'll be very near. He won't be a God out there ethereal some way. He'll be the God who is comforter. He's the one that's closer than a brother. That God wants to meet you in the middle of your pain. You say, well, how do I get there? How do I get where Moses was? Man, how do I get to the place that I can stand my ground and I can tell others, hey, it's going to be okay because God's going to come through. So stand your ground, be still, and just watch the glory of God revealed. How do I get to that place? It's pretty simple, actually. It's pretty awesome. He stood firm on a promise that God had given him. He stood firm on the promise that God had given him. I didn't read this verse to you first uh, on purpose. It's from verse 4 of, of Exodus 14. And so we're going to go back just a few verses to where we were when the Egyptians were bearing down on him. And this is the promise God had given Moses and the Israelites. And he said this. He said, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. He had given them a promise. He didn't give them all the details. He didn't promise them everything was going to be perfect. But he said this, there's going to come an end. It's going to be for my glory and it's going to be good. And I promise you, you can trust me. 
And so Moses says, I'm going to stand on that. If God says it's true, it's true. If anything is real in this world, it, it's the promise of God that, that it's more real than the chair I'm sitting in. It is the promise of God to come through when he says he's going to come through. But we can't stand firm in the mud. We can't stand firm in the sand. We have to stand firm on the solid rock of a promise from God. Can I tell you something? What I'm not saying is that you and I just need more positive thinking. Because positive thinking is you telling you that everything's going to be okay. Can I tell you something? I don't trust me. I don't have the power to ensure that, and neither do you. What I'm talking about is a promise from Almighty God, the sovereign one who created the heavens and the earth. And he says if he's going to say something, he will most certainly come through. That is the solid ground I'm talking about. And he says, I'm going to get glory in this thing. I don't, care. I don't know what you're going through. He says, I can get glory in this thing. And I'm not sure what your trial is today, where your pressure is coming from. But he says this, I know you can have peace in the midst of the problem. Stand firm on my promise. Do you know you have a promise when it comes to the pressure and the stress in your life? God has given us promises. I'm going to point to one today. It's from Philippians chapter 4. This is a promise. This isn't just a, a historical writing. This is a promise to you, each one of us. God is saying this to you. And if you'll believe it and you'll stand on this promise, like Moses stood on the promise of verse 4 of Exodus 14, you can stand on this promise, whatever the situation, whatever that rock in the hard place that you're facing, this is what God says to you. Ready? Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious about anything. Don't let your emotions get the best of you. Don't be fearful. Don't be worried. Don't be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Basically saying, by praying, 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 praying. By a season of crying out to God. By a season of getting on your knees. By a season of looking to God. By a, by a season of knowing that God is sovereign. Then the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is an amazing promise. He's saying, I, whatever the situation you're facing, you can have peace. Whatever the problem in your life is, you don't have to worry or stress that I want to meet you in the middle right there and give you peace like you've never experienced before. It's beyond all human understanding, and it's in your heart, and it's in your mind, and I want to give that to you. So here's the promise. God doesn't promise to remove the pressure in your life. He doesn't promise to make everything hunky-dory and all the waves are smooth and your path is straight. He doesn't always promise to do that. But God does promise to give you peace in the middle of the pressure. And when he does that, he becomes your God of peace. The provider of peace. When news that hits you would normally take your breath away, you go, but God is able and God is faithful and I'm going to choose to trust him because he said he can guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. If we doubt that promise, we miss the blessing. We miss the peace that God wants to give us. But if we choose to stand on that promise, then God says, in every pressure of your life, I'm sufficient. Whatever you're going through, for, through I'm enough. And that I will meet you there, and the, and, the, and the peace that you long for can be yours. 
And then I, I love this verse. This is the last one I'll read you. Exodus 14, 15. He just tells him, now we're back in the, in the present time. And he, the, he had just told him, just stand and watch. God's going to come through. And then the Lord says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. See, there's a time to wait. There's a time to cry out. There's a season that you might have to go through to get before God and find his peace. But then there will become a time where it's time to move. And you and I don't dare to move without the peace of God. Hear me clear. We are not to move until his peace becomes real in our hearts and our lives. But once we get a peace and a clear promise from God and we choose to stand on that promise, then God says, then you don't dare stand still. You move. And so Moses goes into the water, into the Red Sea, and it's wet believing that God would make a path, and he does. He pushes the walls of the sea aside, and they walk across on dry ground, but he didn't walk into dry ground. He went into wet ground, and God made it dry. And God says, don't wait for every obstacle to be removed. You move on faith, and you move on promise, and as you do, I will make a way. God says, you get my peace, then you get moving. Don't wait around. It was true then and it's true today. We get God's peace and we get moving. Some of you are in a season of crying out and you are desperately to know the peace of God in your life. We're, in just a minute, we're going to play a song and we're going to have some decision counselors up front and just some prayer people. If you want to pray with someone, I'm going to ask you to come up. And if you're just going through it, you want to cry out to the Lord with someone else and take your burdens to him, then they're going to be up here to pray with you and you come forward and you pray with them. Some of you are in a season that you've gotten the promise and you've gotten the peace, but you are scared to dip your toe in the water and believe God enough to get moving. Today, can I challenge you to get moving with God? Whatever he's called you to do, do it. Do it. And then thirdly, if you're desperate for peace, the peace of God to be true in your life, but you've never, you've never experienced the, having peace with God, you can't have the peace of God without knowing, having peace with God. And the truth is, you and I were born in this world as enemies of God because of the sin of the first man and the first woman has been passed down to each one of us. And we come into this world condemned and in rebellion to God. And we have no peace with him until Jesus Christ intervenes and his life is a substitutionary death for your life. And when you make that choice to say yes to Jesus as the, as the payment for your sin, then you get peace with God and then you can know the peace of God. If that's the desire, that's what you need today to have peace with God, I want you to bow, bow your heads and pray with me this morning. God, thank you. You're the God of peace. God, you're greater than any obstacle. You're greater than any barrier. You're greater than any trial. You're greater than any problem. You're greater than any news we face. God, you are the God who grants peace to those who should have no peace. That, that transcends all human understanding. God, you're that God of peace. And Father, if there's anyone in this room that doesn't know you and they can't experience your peace, because they don't have a relationship with you. God, today, you're standing with arms open wide. You're saying, I've already paid the price. Anything that you've done that you think is, you've messed up too much, you haven't. 
my son Jesus paid for it already. And you stand with arms open wide and you desire peace with them if they'll simply put their faith in Christ, your son. If that's a desire of your heart today, would you call on God's name and say, God, I need you. I admit my rebellious nature to you, that I was born into rebellion and I have cooperated with rebellion and my sins weigh heavy on me. But I'm believing what your word says, that Jesus' payment is enough. Today, I put my faith in him. I believe Jesus died for me and I invite him in to forgive me and to lead me. And if that was your prayer today without anybody looking around, I want to know by raised hand, if, that's your, if that was your prayer to God today, to say, God, I want to know you and have a relationship with you, slip your hand up and let me know that you said yes to Christ today. We praise God. We praise God. Thank you, God. All right, you can put your hand down. Let me just challenge you. If that was your prayer, come up and celebrate that decision with one of these guys up front, one of these gals up front today. God, we thank you that you're sufficient. We thank you that the peace we long for isn't found in a self-help book or positive thinking. It's found in you. You are the Prince of Peace. God, would you be that to your people as we seek you in song and prayer now. In Jesus' name, amen.